Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. I'm reading from John chapter 4, verses 3 to... I'm not quite sure. (laughs) Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
Just then, Jesus' disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for feeding us with this, your living word. And as we reflect together, I pray that the words that I speak and the thoughts of all of our hearts and minds would be pleasing to you this day as always. Amen. So, it seems like I've been here in my post as community pioneer for six months now, which seems to have gone very quickly and also to be quite a long time. Um, so I've been asked this morning to give an update on community ministry of Arbor Road Baptist Church. And I think this fits really well with the sermon series which is going on at the moment about loving our neighbours, where we've been thinking about the encounters that Jesus had with, 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 um, with people who he met and the way that we encounter people in our community. So this morning I'm telling stories. I'm telling stories of this encounter with Jesus, with the woman at the well, and also telling some stories about things which have happened in our local community over the last few months, and hoping that somehow these speak to each other and we can reflect together about where we're going. The first thing to say is, this is not my story. I've been here six months, but community ministry in Arby Road Baptist Church has been going on for so much longer than this. There have been years of hard work and prayer at this place, which so many of you have been involved in. The years when Erica was here, all of the work that Matt has done, the community team, and so many of you in your own ways are part of this story. So this is a story of when this church had a dream to take the hope and life of Jesus outside of this building and outside of Sunday morning and share it with people out and about in community, in the places where they are. So it seems opposite that our gospel story is about when Jesus was out and about. Jesus was traveling through Samaria, and here he meets this lady at the well, on her territory, in her place. Often, the stories of Jesus are as Jesus as teacher, as leader, as healer, as provider. But sometimes in the Gospel, as here, we see a different place. We see Jesus as stranger and Jesus as guest. Realistically, Jesus has all the power cards in this situation. I mean, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, but also, prosaically, he's male, he's Jewish, he's the leader of his group. But he chooses to use his power here to empower the woman that he's meeting. When he asks her, will you give me a drink, he chooses to put her in a position of hospitality to him so that they can interact on a fairly equal setting. As Christians, as church, I think sometimes we might have the idea that we always need to be doing things and giving things to other people. 
One of the things which has really struck me in these last few months is the beauty and power of being a guest. I've spent a lot of time recently being a guest. Being a guest at local toddler groups, being a guest at holiday lunches hosted in community centres, being a guest here at lunch break alongside other guests, hearing people's memories of being part of that group over many years. Being a guest in meetings organised by the council and other professionals. And it strikes me that when we're a guest in somebody else's space, we're not the ones setting the agenda, they are. So we're a guest in someone else's space and we get to really listen to what other people want to say and want to share. I spent a good bit of time recently having coffee with people. Seems to be one of my main occupations these days. And it's a joy to have coffee with people where sometimes I might get them a coffee or sometimes they might get me a coffee because that's friendship. Not one person controlling the agenda and trying to put their views onto somebody else, but two people or a group of people coming alongside and sharing a bit of life together. So the photo that we've got here is of our Wonder Wonder group. And this has been going on since February. It's a group of people who go for a walk. Very straightforward. I go along, but I wouldn't say that I'm in charge because the whole beauty of this group is it's a group of people who have come together to collectively plan what we would like to do. Not focusing on our needs or our barriers or the things which we might be scared of, but the things which we can do, which we would like to do, and what we would wish to share with other people. So every Tuesday we meet here at the front, we go for a walk to a local cafe, we have a cuppa together, and then we walk back. And initially, I kind of wanted to add something else into the equation. I kind of thought, if this is going to be a church group, maybe I should be like putting in something spiritually nutritious. Uh, so I kind of wanted to have like reflective questions or discussion prompts or something, but it didn't fit with what this group had co-produced. So I was left with the question, is it okay just to go for a walk with people and talk about anything or everything? There was one time when we were sitting in a cafe and the conversation was on a TV series and I hadn't watched this TV series and I really wasn't sure that I wanted to. And I was sitting there, I was just praying, God, what are we doing here? Um, is there any salt and light in this conversation? And then as I listened, they were talking about the characters and who had left and things. And one character played the part of a vicar and the vicar had left the series because he was called by God to work somewhere else. And one woman suddenly turned to me and said, do you know, I think that really happens in real life. <laughs> and suddenly we were having a discussion about discernment and how people having faith help them make big decisions in life. And if people don't have faith, how that impacts the decisions that people make. And so gradually I've become a bit more relaxed about being on somebody else's territory and talking about what somebody else wants to talk about. Because I figure that if we're talking about something that matters and makes sense to somebody else, 
And maybe as I grow into friendship with people and are able to talk about what matters and makes sense to me also, we eventually get to big life questions which matter and make sense to everybody. I have to say, it does feel quite often like I'm not doing very much. It's very strange having a job that doesn't feel like a job. I guess that's a blessing. Um, but, so I'm, I'm kind of reassured when we look at the gospel stories and see that often what Jesus did is just interacting with people. This woman here, when he asks her for a drink, is totally incredulous that he would want to talk to her. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Her expectation is that a Jewish man would not associate with her, wouldn't have anything in common with her, talk to her, touch the same things. So she's totally incredulous. Shockingly, I actually think there are people in our society who also think that the church doesn't want to have anything to do with them, who anticipate judgment or hostility from the church, and don't think that they're the sort of people that Christians would want to know. So my picture here is of flowers, and I have this picture because I was so touched to receive this bunch of flowers as a present. And I received it from somebody who I've been keeping in touch with since just before the pandemic, who came up to, tell, to say to me, I don't know why you want to be friends with me, but I'm, it means such a lot that you care. I don't have many people, and thank you for caring. And it struck me that her utter lack of expectation that I would want to be friends with her is so far from the truth, but might be what people feel when they look at the church. So, so much of our community dream and so much of the work which Matt and I have both been involved with recently about having conversations with, with the community, with people who are doing things in the community, welcoming refugees, investing in young people, supporting local parents. We want to be part of all these conversations because we want everyone to know that the church cares for them, that we as a church want to be good neighbours, that we want to live right alongside and with the people in our community. And we want to take down barriers which make some people feel like they might not be the right sort of person. It seems to me that when Jesus talks to this Samaritan woman, as with various other places in the Gospel, that he is demonstrating the, the taking down and negating of all of those things which keep people apart. He associates himself and puts himself in the place with people who might consider themselves to be outsiders. So when I've had a mum who would like a referral to be able to use the food hub, and she says to me, I'm not a churchgoer. Do you still want to help me? I'm saying, yes. And when someone's coming to Wonderfully Made and saying, I'm gay, will I be welcome here? I'm saying, yes. And when somebody brings along a friend to faithful friends who sits and reads the Bible with us and then at the end says, I'm Muslim, is it okay for me to pray with you? I'm saying yes, because although there can be some complexities and lots of things to talk about around diversity, fundamentally I believe that this offer that Jesus makes of living water is for everyone. And it seems to me that we can echo what Jesus says. If you knew the gift of God, 
if you knew who Jesus is, you, you would never need to ask, am I welcome, am I included, am I allowed? You would just ask him for that living water which he wants to give to everyone. So I feel like part of what we do as Jesus' people in this place is to try to open up the way, to take down the barriers, to invite people to be part of places and spaces and relationships and conversations where they might just meet Jesus, where they might just encounter him. One place where people are encountering Jesus is at Faithful Friends. And the picture up here is, uh, you can see Faithful Friends meeting in the cafe, the big picture there, and you can see some small pictures of some of our holiday activities. For anyone who doesn't know, Faithful Friends is an emerging church. It's been going for a few years now, and we meet in the Community Centre Cafe on Friday mornings. And what we say about Faithful Friends is the clue is in the title. Faithful Friends are friends who talk about faith. It's a group of women, many of them are mums of children at the Grove and King's Hedges schools. Um, and we, we, we get together, we eat, we pray together, we read the Bible. And there, there's so many good things I could tell you about Faithful Friends, about the loving community and about all the fun we have in the holidays when we get together to do special events. But what is delighting me most at the moment about Faithful Friends? is the excitement that there is around reading the Bible. And it's really challenged me to read the Bible with faithful friends, to read the Bible with people who have never read it before. I think sometimes, if we've been reading the Bible for a while, we might think that we know what it says. So we might be very quick to jump to the, the answer the interpretation, the stuff we've learned. For example, here when the woman says, Sir, you've no bucket to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? We might think, well, she's a bit slow on the uptake. Isn't it obvious that Jesus isn't talking about real water? Isn't it obvious there's a sort of spiritual abstract dimension? But really... This woman is asking all the right questions. He's offering her living water, and her question is, how is this possible? How does it work? How does it relate to what I already know about God and scripture? And why would I want it? What difference does it make for me today? I think what I found so refreshing about reading the Bible with people who are reading it for the first time is that people who don't know what the obvious answer is, really think about what their answer is and bring the whole of their life experience to think about how what Jesus is saying relates to us. And we had a powerful illustration of this at Faithful Friends just before Easter when we were reading about the crucifixion with a group of people from all around the world. And after we'd shared the gospel story, people started to share stories from other cultures which were also connected with forgiveness. So somebody told us a myth from Chinese Buddhist mythology and somebody else was sharing some Arabic poetry. And I have to say, this is another one of those moments where I was like, where is this going? This is meant to be a Bible study. Is this okay? But, but then people started to share their own experiences of forgiveness, of having forgiven or a feeling that they needed to forgive. And what really emerged 
was in all of these stories, both mythological and real life, that there's a huge cost to forgiveness. And then somebody said, in church, people say, Jesus died so that we can be forgiven. That's an easy thing to say, but it wasn't an easy thing to do. And there was suddenly this moment where we all sat just holding and contemplating the magnitude of what Jesus did out of love for us. And I didn't expect that. That soul deep, faith feeding, living water knowledge. It's so much more powerful than anything that I could have taught. And it made me think sometimes perhaps we're in danger of treating the Word of God like bottled water. It's always there. We know we need it. We think we should perhaps drink a bit more of it. And we can keep it safely and conveniently and tidily in one place. But what we got a little glimpse of there, I think, that day at Faithful Friends, is by digging deep into the scripture and into our own hearts, we just had a glimpse of that spring of living water that Jesus is trying to offer us dynamic and untamable, that actually refreshes and hydrates our lives. The spring of water welling up to eternal life. And people are coming to faith in Faithful Friends. Not dozens, not hundreds, but a small, infinitely precious number of people whose lives have been changed because they didn't know Jesus, and now they do. The next picture is of Wonderfully Made. And again, I think this group is changing people's lives. Most of you, many of you here, know about Wonderfully Made because many of you have been set, involved in setting up and supporting this church project from its beginnings at the cafe down the road, moving into the church, and now flourishing as it does today. Wonderfully Made is a quiet, shared space. We have creative activities, some people bring their own hobbies, some people do a craft which one of us might lead. Some people just prefer to chat, enjoy refreshments and sharing that space together. And after a few years, Wonderfully Made has become a real community of friends, which is just testament to the, those years of hard work and prayer that have gone into this group. It's a place where everyone is welcome. No one asks you why you've come. There are no criteria. You're welcome, whoever you are, however you are, and whether or not you're okay. People tell us that this group is the highlight of their week. People tell us that this is a group where they can be accepted, where they can't access anything else. And I'm not sure why that is the case. I was thinking about how this works. And again, I was thinking of this woman at the well. When we speak about this story, the woman at the well, usually one of the things that gets said is, this woman is probably not okay. She's probably a bit of an outcast. She doesn't seem to be at the well when everyone else is there. You'd expect that people would go and get, and get their water early in the morning before the sun came up. And they would go with their friends and they would go as a group. But she has come out in the middle of the day by herself when there's no one else around. 
we hear that she has a bit of an unconventional past and relationship history, and it may be that she's been ostracised by her community. It may be that she feels she can't be where others are, perhaps not unlike some of our wonderfully made regulars. It may be that her own anxiety, her own experience of pain in the past, prevents her from, from being in places where people are and from joining in with the normal things. Maybe there are practical reasons why she can't get out early in the morning. Jesus meets with this woman and he hears her story. It seems to me that throughout the Gospels when Jesus meets people, each person he meets, he seems to meet their needs in different ways. In other encounters, Jesus offers people healing or forgiveness or maybe advice. But for this lady, it seems like he just draws out her story. He draws it out, but he doesn't say anything about it. He just kind of holds it there in front of her. And it strikes me that maybe that was what she needed. Jesus draws the story out and he, he knows. He knows, as she later says, everything that she has ever done. He knows, and she knows that he knows, and that seems to be enough. A fresh start, a basis on which to build a relationship. I wonder how we feel about that in our life, being known by Jesus. Imagine for a moment that Jesus held out before you everything that you had ever done. That Jesus could see you fully known and fully loved, fearfully and wonderfully made. And maybe that might be uncomfortable because honestly, none of us are really okay. And there's always probably some mess in there that we don't really want to be seen. And maybe it might be painful. There might be old hurts that we still need healing. But also, possibly, is there potential there? Is there freedom in knowing somebody loves us that much, seeing all of this and still wanting to be in relationship with us? And I wonder if it's a glimpse of this which people see in Wonderfully Made. Because although we don't quiz people and ask them why they've come, inevitably, we end up telling our story and hearing other people's stories. Sometimes they've been messy or painful stories. But I wonder if one of the things that people really value in this group is the place where they can be heard and known and accepted and where we're just in it together, in it together for the long haul, where people have the possibility to move forward in loving relationship. Somebody said about Wonderfully Made, you feel like you're part of something and not just existing alone. And another person said, here I'm accepted for who I am. 
And some of these people at Wonderfully Made join us to pray together. We have prayers at the beginning and end of every session in the middle. And we're just starting to get to the point where there's a possibility that some people could become a worshipping community. We had some worship together at Easter. And it's making me think that wonderfully made as a worshipping community will not look the same as this church. It will not look the same as faithful friends. What we're doing is trying to find ways where we can um, enable people in our communities to authentically find the ways that work for them to worship and respond to Jesus. The woman meeting Jesus at the well asks him about worship. She's a Samaritan. They worship in a different place, in a different way, with different customs. She's waiting for somebody who'll come along and explain it all to them. But Jesus minimizes the importance of the distinctions between worshiping styles. For him, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirits and in truth. The temple in Jerusalem had been so important throughout the history of the people of God as the, the place, the chosen and anointed place where God had covenanted to dwell, the transcendence of God, where people could meet on earth with the eternal God. Yet here, Jesus proclaims that the hour is coming and indeed has already come in Jesus, where there will no longer need to be a place where man can meet with God. Because in Jesus, God has come in person to meet with mankind, to be with us for all eternity. So now where we worship and how we worship becomes so much less important than who we worship. And this reminds me that when we're thinking about sharing Jesus in the community, we're not necessarily trying to round up people to come to our church or any other church on a Sunday morning, though I know this fellowship and, um, and family would always have its doors open to anyone who wanted to come. We're not necessarily trying to make people behave like we do or establish more churches that look like ours. I think what we're doing when we go out to offer hope and life in our community is to help people see what God is doing and what God has done and help people to find their own ways of connecting in. So the, story, the picture that you can see here is of one of our story trails. And our story trails have been so exciting because they've kind of become a thing by mistake. Um, <laughs> A whole year ago, Easter 2021, uh, faithful friends had the idea to put a story trail in the park, basically because we'd been in lockdown and we couldn't do anything in a building. So we asked the North Cambridge Community Partnership if they'd be okay with us hanging some things up around their park. And they were very enthusiastic and said, oh, why don't you do it on the same day that we've got an event in the park and then everyone else can see it too. So we did that and 150 people came. So then at Christmas, the NCCP came to, to us and said, you know that trail you did at Easter, will you please do another one? So we did another one at Christmas, and that was really lovely. And then this year at Easter, not only the NCCP, but also the Grove School said, well, can we have your trail as well? And we also took it to um, 
Arbury Court on Good Friday, where some of you may have seen it. So it's just been lovely to see the doors opening and people asking us to go and share the gospel in their communities because they see that what we're doing makes sense and connects with people in our local area. This picture is um, of when the trail at Easter was in Nunsway Park, but it also spent a few days at the Grove School. And one of the teachers there kindly came back and gave some feedback to um, myself and Margaret Winchcombe. And she was saying that she'd been just blown away by the thoughtful responses of her children, who were, I think, some of the younger children in the school, only maybe about six years old. And she had one child had said, I loved it so much, it made me want to cry. And I was thinking, maybe that is worship, in spirit and in truth. Maybe all that is needed is encountering Jesus and responding from our real selves. Maybe that is a glimpse of worship already happening. The last thing I want to say about the story is, at the end, this woman is kind of an evangelist. Kind of. She, she's the one who gets all these people to come and see Jesus. She hurries back, leaving her water jar to tell people about Jesus. But she goes out, not with a testimony, but with a question. Could this be the Messiah? A few verses later, in verse 42, further on than where we read, some other people actually meet Jesus and they do testify. We know this man really is the saviour of the world. But isn't it great that God could use the woman even before she got to that point? He was using her even when she was just questioning. So it seems to me when we celebrate the community ministry of our church and what God is doing here with us, that we're not just thinking about anything that myself and Matt might be doing, or even that people from this congregation might be doing as we all go out and share faith in our neighbourhood. But also, all those times when people who are interacting with us are then going out and telling someone else about it. People who are coming on our Wonder Wonder and then inviting a friend. People who are coming to Wonderfully Made or Faithful Friends and saying to somebody else, you should come along, you might like this professionals who I get to meet who are then saying oh you should talk to these people and drawing somebody else in and inviting us into more spaces. It seems to me that every time somebody says come and see there's something going on here could this be important could this be good news for us that we are already seeing what God is doing in our community and maybe getting a glimpse of God's kingdom, sharing hope and life right here. I thought it would be appropriate at the end to spend a little bit of time praying for these, um, the, the community ministry of our church and some of these activities which I have mentioned. So I hope you'll join me in a short time of prayer. Lord our God, we give thanks for this church, for our church family gathered here on a Sunday, in the building and online, for our children and their leaders in ARC, and for all the work and ministry that this family enables. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to nurture the bonds of love within this fellowship 
and empower us to share your love and hope in our community. We pray for faithful friends, giving thanks for those who've come to know Jesus and to experience love and community in this group. We pray that as new people join in, the group will continue to reflect and share your love with families in our local area. We pray for Wonderfully Made, holding before you in love each precious individual who has been touched by this group. We pray for peace and healing for those whose lives are difficult and that the group would continue to grow as a genuine community of friendship and acceptance. We pray for our wonder wonder. Thank you for the openness and authenticity of people sharing and contributing together. We pray that this community will continue to flourish and welcome new friends. And we pray for the way ahead. As we continue to explore our hopes and dreams with God and with our neighbours. We bring before you, Lord, our hopes for ministry with young people, for a youth well-being space, for the development of our garden as a community space, for further links with schools. We seek your direction and guidance that we may know you and follow you in all that we do. God our Father, we bring all these prayers to you in the power of the Spirit and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we sing together, we invite God once more to uh, send his Spirit on our church and build, build this church here for his kingdom. <laughs>